This is David Tate's The Nine Fingers. Welcome to The Alchemy of Artistry. Today we're going to get away from relationships for a little bit here and get into a song about frustrations with society and American politics at the turn of the 21st century. This song is called Two Minutes Hate by Winston and the Telescreen. I think to explain this song properly, I'll first need to explain the reasoning behind naming the band Winston and the Telescreen. The band was formed directly after 9-11 and during the American response of putting the Patriot Act into place while also going to war with two different countries. For those unfamiliar with the 19 9-11 hijackers, two were from the United Arab Emirates, one from Lebanon, one from Egypt, and 15 of them were from Saudi Arabia. So if you're keeping track carefully of of those different countries of origin, uh, you'll recognize that none of those places are Iraq or Afghanistan, uh, which are the two countries we attacked in supposed response to 9-11. I I was 19 when 9-11 happened and brand new into paying attention to the adult world and politics, and I was completely horrified by how effective talking points were at controlling people's thoughts. You could see very clearly that the average American was a creature who had never bothered to form any opinions of their own, who were much more comfortable having their opinions force-fed to them through infotainment culture. Television stations like Fox were calling television shows news, even though they made no attempt to report on reality and had instead become this kind of de facto mind control arm of wealthy conservatives eager to manipulate the masses so that they could continue raking in these otherworldly profits through unethical business practices without ever being held accountable by the public. Hearing people out loud began to horrify me. 
A, a conservative think tank somewhere could create a talking point and then have it repeated on television a few hundred times a day. And the next day, you would hear people everywhere parroting that exact same phrase while being under the impression that they thought of these words and opinions themselves. It was wild. It was it was horrifying and wild. Uh, we've all grown accustomed to this horror now, as this phenomenon has grown exponentially worse because of the internet. But it rightly scared the shit out of me back then and made me uncomfortable with other human beings uh, 20 years ago when this kind of mind control was so effectively wielded by the wealthy. I mean, now it's, it's 2021. We've just gone through the Trump presidency, which was such an unfathomable clown show that we've forgotten that once a president as bumbling and idiotic and ineffectual as George W. Bush was an unspeakable, an unspeakable embarrassment to anyone paying attention, and that his leadership had completely disastrous real, real world consequences um, that, that affected us all the way to 2016. Uh, and, and throughout, of course, we were a thousand levels beyond that now in the 2020s, but that just speaks to how effectively wealthy conservatives shut down their constituents ability to think for themselves 20 years ago. And that manipulation has at this point had generational consequences. Um, we're getting a bit far afield from the lyrics of, of this specific song, but the point is that when we formed as a band in the aftermath of 9-11, I wanted our name to reference a dystopia. The first name I chose was actually Soma Holiday, which is a Brave New World reference, uh, but I found out that a band out there already had that name, so I settled for a 1984 reference instead because I also love 1984. The unintended side effect of using this name was that everyone who hadn't read George Orwell's 1984 thought that my name was actually Winston. Now, when your band is a 1984 reference, it would be just so irresponsible to not make an angry two minutes of hatred diatribe in the form of a song. It's just an absolute necessity. It has to be done. For anyone who hasn't read the book 1984, two minutes hate in that world is a daily ritual in which everyone stops what they're doing to watch two minutes of propaganda film that depicts so-called enemies of the state and blames all of the country's problems on them while the audience, which is everyone, everyone's forced to watch it, they grow furious and frenzied and, and it drags up all of their own internalized rage and bullshit and flings all of that sadness and hatred against these imaginary enemies or sometimes not so imaginary, um, who aren't actually their enemies, uh, which in turn helps those in power maintain power by misdirecting the populace's emotions and pain against the political enemies of those in power. Now, what's, what's <laughs> extra horrifying is, is essentially this is what Fox News, Newsmax, One America, this is what they do for 24 hours a day now. Um, we don't have two minutes of hatred. We have 24 hours a day of hatred. Um, these are bloated versions of that same concept. So, so imagine taking all of that daily content, but downsizing it into two minutes of the most dishonest and angry and violent and entertaining portions and picture every single American being forced to sit down and, or stand there and watch it daily uh, while exhibiting as much passion as if they're watching the Super Bowl and their team is in it. That, that's essentially what two minutes hate is. 
For me, as a songwriter, I really liked the idea of setting up a song in that format and just being allowed to, to vent unapologetically. Um, with that being said, let's get into these lyrics. To all the rock stars, pop stars, talentless but hot stars, get off our stage. We know that you're not stars. It's more than a little embarrassing now to see that I gave myself two minutes to rage at the world, and and this is the first topic that I chose. Uh, Clearly, I was feeling uh, exceptionally self-centered and anxious to find success in the music world, racial issues, LGBT issues, poverty issues. Uh, None of those, what I chose instead to be upset about is that other people uh, I didn't think were very good were having success while I wasn't. Uh, that's that's very embarrassing now. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't even think being 20 years old is an excuse. Uh, I was very much inside my own head, and that shows pretty clearly here. It's very honest writing, to be sure, but that honesty about the kinds of things that were troubling me just clearly highlights that I was kind of a selfish piece of garbage. So I apologize to the world. To seen kids, mean kids... Wear your girlfriend's jeans, kids. Being thin and pretty is as empty as it seems, kids. Historically, I have been this kind of physically powerfully built person. Uh, And don't get the wrong idea about that because I don't mean powerfully built like LeBron James. I mean powerfully built like Gimli the Dwarf from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Uh, These days, I'm nearly 40. I've got a protruding stomach and all that. Uh, But even back when I was 20 and being uh, just a couple years removed from being a serious athlete and then training, training daily, uh, I'd I'd lost my six pack. And although I'd I'd kill to look that way now, uh, I was unhappy with my body even then. And, And all the singers I was familiar with had these these heroin vibe bodies uh, and there was part of me that honestly thought that the world would refuse to take me seriously as a musician, as a singer, unless my body also looked like that. So I'd starve myself pretty regularly in an attempt to thin down, um, but it just never worked. And when I would exercise instead, my body would bulk up very quickly instead of thin down because I have this kind of apocalypse body. It wants to to be strong and hold on to everything. It doesn't ever want to thin down. It ferociously holds on to, to anything it's ever gained. And, and I appreciate that now. It's useful in, uh, in scraps and whatnot. Uh, but, but I hated it back then. And part of that self-hatred materialized in being angry at the scene kids who were gaining popularity at the time. Because scene kids tended to be like 5'10 and 80 pounds and, and size zeros. <laughs> Their their long and ridiculously shaped hair extended out further than any other parts of their body. Uh, and at twenty, I was starting to to uh, starting that process from athletic to dad bod. You know, five seven over two hundred pounds. I, I'd already been losing my hair for years, basically since uh, since I was like fourteen, fifteen. Um, I had to to go shave twice a day if I wasn't growing a beard at that time. I j- I just couldn't stand these kids, uh, despite. Also being so drawn to the scene, the scene girls. <laughs> and I'd later end up marrying a scene kid. So clearly you can see that part of my anger is actually jealousy because that look was just off limits for me. I simply didn't have the attributes and I couldn't get them. 
I, I knew that being thin and pretty weren't actually personality traits and didn't have worth in and of themselves, but I still wanted to be that. It's this interesting line for me to choose, knowing how desperately I wanted to be that which I was condemning in those lyrics there. To right-wing mouthpieces, left-wing mouthpieces, all around his mouthpieces, what happened to thought process? I hated my television. I hated talking points. I hated that I could hear a newscaster repeat a phrase three times, and then the next day hear someone in the grocery store repeat that same phrase word for word to a friend, all the while thinking it was their original thought instead of something that had been implanted inside of their brain by their television. Growing up, we read. We read books. We read newspapers. And the people around you that didn't read, we all recognized that they didn't have very uh, informed or and therefore valid opinions about current events because they, they hadn't exercised that muscle and chose not to access the information around them. Not reading, it didn't mean that you were dumb, but it did mean that you didn't know very much about politics um, and were aware that you didn't know anything about current events. And so because you were aware that you didn't know that much about current events, you didn't have strong opinions about them. Television really changed that because people who still had no idea what they were talking about and had other people's opinions force-fed into them um, weren't really aware that that was what was happening. So that the world started filling up with these exceptionally ignorant people who considered themselves experts because that's what had been stuffed into them from, from the television shows that they chose to watch. And that, that was really unsettling. Um, and, it, and it's so much worse now. The internet has is, is, uh, is just exponentially exploded that phenomenon out as people just choose whatever research fits the opinions that they already have. I say research with some big quote marks. Um, we recently had QAnon, Trump supporters, uh, violently attempt to overthrow the Capitol and murder our elected leaders, uh, which, in all honesty, is the logical result of media and internet consumption without first training your brain to not be a toilet by exercising it on a few hundred books first instead of just jumping straight into uh, YouTube videos. <laughs> Do I sound like an angry old man yet? I mean, I wrote this when I was 20. Uh, I guess I've been ang an angry old man for a long time. Take me away from this place where every kid in every classroom, they all speak the same. Take me away from this place where all the pretty people are all dressed the same. Uh, as silly as this sounds, this was actually a, a dark time for me for, for these reasons. I, I found the world around me unsettling. I saw people all around me shaped by their televisions instead of their convictions. I had my first suicide attempt somewhere around this time period, uh, which, which is maybe a strange thing to throw in here without further explanation. But all of this plus all of this stuff plays into that. I, I am existing in a world in which I less and less feel kinship with the people around me. I, I feel more and more like an alien observer of these life forms who I also ha have less and less respect for. Um, it's not a great place to be psychologically or emotionally, to feel like you don't belong in the place where you live and, and to not want to. Forget the pill poppers, cloud talkers, 
We are the rope walkers. Eight months in my car just to cling to my guitar. I've always been angry with addicts. For me, pain is something that you use to to fuel yourself, to fuel your art, to fuel what it is you're working on. Numbing yourself, running away instead of diving in, it's always bothered me. Uh, My opinions about such things are definitely more nuanced now at nearly 40 than they were back then at at nearly 20. Um, but, But back then, those choices... Uh, and and not even necessarily a choice for everyone. That's what I mean by nuance. But I didn't understand that at that point. Um, be, being an addict was unfathomable to me. Cloud talkers just means people who talk about achieving their goals in place of working on their goals. I was surrounded by other bands and artists who were always talking about what was next for them, but never actually grabbing on to what was next. They used all their energy talking about it instead of doing it. And I still see that energy out there all the time, and it still makes me furious. And we, and we can call it manifesting or whatever we want to these days, or positive energy. Um, stop telling, stop telling everybody about how you have big things coming, and go fucking do the big things. Um, tell it, tell us after. Tell, announce what's actually happening. Not something big's coming. Um, I, I just don't think that's a. A good waste of energy. I, I, I'm really getting full on old man screaming at clouds now. Um, but but I, I want to be supportive of, of, of what people are doing. I want to be supportive uh, of the results. I want to be supportive of the work. I, I do not care about the talk. Give me the work and I will support it. Show me the work and I will, I'll show up for it. I don't care about the talk. So stop talking and do. Uh, that's what rope walkers means. Uh, I, I felt like I'm not out there telling people I was going to do this and do that. I, I left school. I, I lived in my car and at the studio while I was just writing and recording. And that's it. No talk, just action. If this, sh- if this shit doesn't work, I'm homeless. That's how I felt. I'm stepping out on the tightrope and I'm going for it. And if you're not, then we're, you're not on the same level. And you're just taking up space. Now, once again, that's not how I feel at this moment in time. Um, but I'm, I'm talking about, you know, 19-year-old me, who we've already established is a, a bit more than a bit self-centered and, and selfish there. Um, and, and, you know, that's how, that's how he's feeling. Uh, I, I don't agree with it, but, you know, that's what it was. Um, I, I want each and every one of you to do what you can when you can and not upend your whole life and and sacrifice your schooling and your careers or whatever to make some songs. Uh, That's not what I want for you. Um, I was very angry and dumb back then, Uh, but those were the choices that I made. And so I considered myself someone who was a doer rather than a talker. Uh, So I I apologize if anybody ever listened to that later and thought I was looking down on them. Um, Maybe I was back then. I'm certainly not now. There's no possible gain unless I can sell some pain to all my lovers, mothers, sisters, brothers. Tell me, are you entertained? This part is is really troubling to me now um, because I I didn't really understand what I was getting myself into by committing to this line of thought. I'm sure I was probably thinking about heartbreak and things like that. To me, those pains must have felt immense at the time, but I, I didn't have any, any concept of what real pain was 
and I would find out. So, so I don't think the sentiment was necessarily wrong, but it's definitely not being shouted out in this way with any understanding of the scope of what it's implying. Uh, and, and what's funny is, is I have I have all the pain in the world now, and and no one is interested in buying. So that's that's some some big oof energy. <laughs> Got this all wrong. Oh well. To all you modern deceivers, we are recycled believers. Your brand new personal saviors. So friends, go gather your neighbors and let's have some church. Now, this isn't as religious as it sounds or are actually religious at all. I just felt back then like most bands were in the entertainment business, which I now understand there's nothing wrong with. But to me, that had never been what music was intended for. And I, I still I still I think some music now is intended for that. But but that's just not where I was at or where I have ever been or ever will be, really. Uh, I was essentially saying that we're bringing you something real, the real, real. We're, we're not here to entertain you. We're here to open ourselves up so that uh, you can, we can connect. We can connect on a more open and honest level, um, which, which maybe, you know, maybe that's a big decision to make for the full band. <laughs> uh, I can't actually speak for them. Um, but when you're the singer and you're writing the lyrics, you do kind of end up speaking for them, which maybe is one of the reasons the bands are hard to, to carry on with um because that's not really fair <laughs> um but but for me that's that's what it was always about um i felt like a lot of what i saw musically was often almost sacrilegious to me um I, i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> that i was taking myself too seriously uh, there's there's no question about that and uh that's probably going to happen a lot over the next 40 songs or so. I apologize in advance. Now that we've got some insight into the lyrics, let's try the song again. Kids, 
really do miss performing that song. It, it just brought forth a different kind of beast in me. I always ended the last 30 seconds or so just pounding a tambourine into my chest as ferociously as I could before flinging it onto the ground to close out the song. Uh, when we were playing shows frequently, this actually ended up resulting in an in injury um, as I was so severely bruising my rib cage that if I had multiple shows in a week, it could become a problem. Uh, but I just I couldn't help but f- just flail away with everything I had. Uh, there was a night, though, in which I came back home after a show and my oldest daughter came running at me for a big hug. And when I reached down to pick her up and lift her up into the air, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't lift her up. My chest had taken so much damage from the tambourine that I couldn't lift anything for for a few days. Um, so after that, I started to make a a effort, an effort to take it easier on myself. Um, but man, even even thinking about smashing that thing on my body uh, to close this song out actually really gets me pumped up. I want to perform this song right now. Let's fucking go! And I might need have to. I might have to get on some band action pretty soon. Uh, that was Two Minutes Hate by the band Winston and the Telescreen, off of their debut album. Half of what we say is meaningless. Uh, that was Trevor Monks on drums, James Brecker on bass, Paul Akers on keyboard, and me, David Tate's on uh, vocals. And uh, the theme song to bring us in and close us out was by Lou Beauty. And I will see you next week. Stay safe out there.